Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your host, Justina McKenzie on Midtown Radio KW. So today we are going to talk about some common dog myths and we're going to do some myth busting did you ever watch that show on discovery channel Mythbuster. great show i don't think i ever watched it is that what the intro sounded like no no <laughs> all right so today we are myth busting so let's get into it and the seas are getting rough and it is getting harder Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your host, Justine and McKenzie on Midtown Radio KW. Today's a very special episode because we are recording in person today for the first time in a long time. I don't remember when the last time we recorded in person and we are drinking a wine that we got from the Humane Society because they're having a partnership with Peely Island Winery where you can get a photo of your dog on a wine label, which is so adorable. Yeah, shout out to the Humane Society of Kitchener-Waterloo and Stratford-Perth for the wine. Uh, we are currently drinking a Cabernet Franc and it is very good. So thank you, Peely Island and the KW Humane Society. Yum. And if you want to buy them, I think you can just go to the KW Humane Society website and purchase a case and a portion of your proceeds go to help all of the dogs and cats that need homes in our area and to lots of other community services in our community. Anyways, today we are myth busting. So in the dog world, as we know, there is a lot of misinformation and strong opinions. So we are going to dig into some of the myths you might have heard about dogs, and we're going to debunk them. I feel like myth busting with dogs is so funny because like people are so passionate about their dogs and so passionate about their animals that it's 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 funny to hear some of these things and think, really, is that true? Do people actually think that's real? Some of them, when we were doing the research today, I was like, nah, people can't think that. Eh, yes, they can. All right. Well, <laughs> let's get into it. So, Kenzo, what is the first myth? Okay, this one really grinds my gears, guys. Grinds the gears. So, this one is that rawhides are good for dogs. Eh, yeah. Wrong. So, when we're talking about rawhides, we're talking about those, like, very bleached out looking skin things you buy from your pet store. And correct me if I'm wrong, rawhides are, they're not a byproduct of the meat industry. They're actually a byproduct of the leather industry, right? Correct. Yeah. So like they're not even meat. No, they're essentially bleached out beyond all recognition. Hide. Yes. Yeek. Mm -hmm. It's pretty disturbing so why to your knowledge why are they not good for dogs uh chemicals mm -hmm. and that's really what it comes down to and can't your dog not digest them because of all the chemicals right yeah so like i 
pretty sure. And again, guys, don't believe everything you see on Facebook, but I'm pretty sure I saw one of those like Facebook posts that like ran rampant all over the internet. And it was like a picture of a dog that was very sick, um, laying on a dog hospital bed. Um, good one. That's like, what what do you call it? Those like metal things that they put the dogs on when they're really sick laying on one of those and there were literally like all these pieces of raw hide oh that's circulating recently right yeah, yeah. i saw it recently mm-hmm. and so all these pieces of raw hide that they had literally like extracted from the dog's stomach or intestines or whatever and the dog was really 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 sick yep so that happens more often than not that also happens with cooked dog bones so same mm-hmm. thing the dog just can't actually digest it but uh all in all raw hides are not good for dogs at all stay away if you want to give your dog a good chew go with a bully stick um, or a raw bone so something that is uncooked Um, even if your dog isn't fed raw raw bones are very good for dog's teeth all right second one all right this one is a really good one too i love this one yeah so we've got tools so tools like prongs muzzles crates and e-collars are cruel or painful and shouldn't be used what do you think Uh, okay so i use all of these things i think it really comes down to the dog and it comes down to how you use the tool and how you train the tool correct it also comes down to the owner so um Things like prongs and muzzles, there are certain dogs out there in our communities that if they didn't have these tools, wouldn't be out there in the community. I'll just say that. Yep. So, um, And you think about like muzzles as an example. If you need to administer first aid to a dog, dogs respond very differently when they're in pain. So if you um, need to muzzle your dog in a emergency first aid situation, um, it's very helpful if your dog is already trained on a muzzle, so you're not putting them into an even more stressful situation. Similar to a crate, if your dog ever has to go to the vet, do an overnight stay, they have to stay in a crate. So train them on those tools in advance so that when you need them, they're available. These are great tools to layer on to any training regiment you have as long as they're used correctly. 100%. Nailed it. And owners who use these tools are not bad people. Just saying. Yeah. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. (laughs) All right. Next one, Kens. Next one. I also love this one. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Wrong. Correct. That is wrong. Any aged dog can learn something new. Their brain still works. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah, they if they if you find what motivates your dog, you can teach your dog anything. Will is five, and I teach her new stuff every single week. She learns something new. So, um, all you have to do is find out what works for your dog, what excites your dog. Uh, if your dog doesn't get excited by treats, maybe they get excited by toys. Mm-hmm. And just don't give up on old dogs because old dogs love to learn just as much as young. Where do you think this myth comes from? I think it's people, please, I think it's just laziness in people. Think so? I think it's like, oh, my dog's old. They're stuck in their ways. Part of me wonders, so... Okay, so you can teach an old dog new tricks, but I think what is even more challenging than that is uh, unteaching an old uh-huh. dog old tricks, mm-hmm. if that made any sense. So habits, right? So, so I think what a lot of people um, struggle with is their dog already has all these really bad habits or these really bad behaviors, and it's really hard to unlearn those once your dog has been practicing them for so long versus teaching your dog something new is less challenging. So I think that's kind of where that comes from, but you can still teach old dogs things and they can still unlearn and they can become better dogs. I agree. All right, next one, Kenz. 
Uh, this one also really... I've never heard of this before, so this is all you. Okay, really? I've literally never heard this before until we were planning this podcast. Really? Okay, I see this a lot, uh, like a lot, and it it's weird. <laughs> it's very weird. All right, read it to us. Okay. A female dog feels empty, quote unquote, if they don't have a litter. What does that even mean? It means that them <laughs> as... It's kind of like... Their lives aren't fulfilled without being a mother. My dog deserves to be a mother. Your dog isn't human, first of all. Also, that doesn't apply to humans either. No, it doesn't. (laughs) But also, your dog doesn't know any better. Like, if you spay your female dog, she won't care. I promise you. (laughs) She probably will like it much better because having two intact females is not great. So, yes. um, And I mean, when they're socializing with other dogs, if you've got a female dog who is intact um, and if they're in heat, like they're going to be more prone to other dogs bothering them, especially if you're someone who goes to dog parks. Yep, it can lead to bullying. It can lead to uh, straight up aggression from other dogs around your dog. It can lead to um, a lot of problems with your intact female down the road, uh, like mammary tumors and um, different forms of cancers, um, different forms of diseases. There's so many different things. But uh, yeah, your dog will not care if they have a litter of puppies, I promise you. There you go. You heard it here first, folks, <laughs> on the Dog Friendly KW podcast. All right. Well, there are your first four dog myths. We are going to take a quick break and come back with a few more for you. Stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Nutrim Pet Products. Our pets bring so much joy to our lives, which is why we feed them the best. Made in Elmira, Nutrim recipes are all natural and only sold in Canadian-owned pet specialty retailers. Plus, $1 from each bag sold is donated to a local charity. Who do you feed for? Visit Nutrim.com for more information. Welcome back to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie. Uh, We have been talking about myths about dogs and trying our best to bust these myths. We're trying real hard here. Just I think we're doing a great job. Yeah. I think we're busting all the myths. We really have every single one. Busted them. It's like we (laughs) we selected them or something. It's fine. Everything's fine. 
But let's dive into some more. So Justine, kick us off. I love this one. I love all of them, but okay. Dogs need a fenced-in backyard to live a happy, fulfilled life. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> um, this is something that we see a lot with rescues. So a lot of rescues, when you're looking to adopt, um, it's something that they ask in their application form, and sometimes you even get automatically screened out if you don't have a fenced-in backyard. And I remember being as someone who lives in a condo, I was so grateful when I found Save Our Scruff because they were like, hell no. We like totally believe that dogs who live in condos live some of the best lives. And it's so true because even um, as an example today, um, I'm a lurker of many dog Facebook groups. And uh, there was one um, comment uh, somebody was saying about their dog barking out a window all day while they're gone from work. <laughs> sounds terrible that does sound terrible especially a small dog anyway um so uh i commented because that's who i am and i said this sounds like either boredom or anxiety do you exercise your dog oh yeah we let her out of uh in the backyard for at least a half an hour before we could head off to work and what does she do stare at the door and wait for you to get home like or wait for you to let her back in so i commented back and i said well i hate to break it to you girlfriend <laughs> but a backyard actually isn't a great place to exercise your dog. Uh, do you do leash walks or do you do any other enrichment or training? No, she does not. So I said, well, maybe that's something to think about. You can work with a trainer, et cetera, et cetera. So yep. um, I just thought that was funny because, yeah, she even having a backyard, this dog is clearly still bored of their minds and barking at everything and anything that moves outside their window. Yeah. Well, Backyards, I mean, in my opinion, backyards are a cop out. And if I had a backyard, there are a lot of mornings where Marshall and I would not get out for our walk because I would just dump him in the backyard because I'm a human and I'm lazy. And it's the easy thing to do. But in a condo, I don't have a choice. It's like I got to put my boots and my coat on and take him outside. And once I'm out there, I might as well walk him anyways, instead of just opening the door in my pajamas. So uh, a dog does not need a backyard to live a fulfilled and happy life. Next. All right, next one. If my dog is friendly, it's okay to let them off-leash in spaces that aren't actually designated to be off-leash. No. <laughs> Hard no. No, no, no. Just no, because <laughs> not every other dog is friendly or not every other dog wants your dog to approach their, their dog. And also, it's against the law. Yeah, so it is against the law. There is that. Um, but it's also just like, I'm sorry, but it's it's just kind of rude. So yeah, not every dog does like to be approached just like every human doesn't like to be approached by a stranger. It's really the same thing. And a lot of humans don't like to be approached by, by a, a dog, dog, right? Mm -hmm. A strange dog. So yeah, even if your dog is friendly, if your dog is the best dog in the world, that's great. Please keep them on a leash and leash spaces and be respectful yeah all right what's next all rescue dogs will have behavioral issues wrong <laughs> <laughs> another one bites the dust yes this is this is not correct um any dog can have behavioral issues regardless of if they are a purebred regardless of if they came from a ethical breeder regardless if they are a rescue it doesn't matter um their experiences and your training with them and your relationship with them are going to shape them as dogs and 
that's what's going to determine their behavior. I do think what it comes down to as well is the type of rescue. So a lot of rescues that do do foster programs, Mm. they do do very intensive um, research into each and every dog saying, is it reactive? Yes. Is it reactive to children, cats, other dogs? Um, Is this dog resource guarding? Is this dog doing this? Is this dog doing that? So a lot of rescues out there do do that due diligence prior to uh, adoptions. There are some um, overwhelmed shelters out there that just don't have the capacity to do that. So it is a little more of a a wild card. But but a lot of the rescues here in Ontario do 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 that. Wow, do do that due diligence. (laughs) Do do that due diligence. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And they do. I really make sure that each and every one of their um, uh, adoptees go out to to good homes. Yeah, and are matched appropriately based on their needs and everything. So yes, a rescue could have behavioral issues, but so could any dog. And uh, yeah, it's not a guarantee either way. Yep. All right. Next, it's you. My dog is hypoallergenic. This is your favorite. Do you want to go on a doodle rant? Not today. (laughs) The doodlers will not appreciate it. (laughs) Okay. Why is this not true? Why are no dogs truly hypoallergenic? It really depends on the type of allergy the human has. So believe it or not, most humans are actually allergic to what is in the dog's saliva. So when a dog cleans themselves and then we pet them we pick up that saliva Hmm. and then we have a reaction like hives or something whatever it could be what if you're allergic to like their dander that one it's funny because you look at people who own i'm going to use my brother as an example he's allergic to cats okay however we grew up with many cats (laughs) living in the north and um he never had a problem until he left home And then he came back for visits and then his allergies would pick up because he would remove himself and then come back. No exposure. Yeah. So I think it's honestly, even if you do get a, even if you do get a doodle type dog or a dog mixed with a poodle, the chances of them actually being hypoallergenic dander wise is actually quite slim because when you're taking 50% of something that does produce dander and 50% of something that doesn't produce dander, i.e. a poodle, you mix those together, genetics 101, the chances of you getting a 100% dander-free dog is actually only 50%. And then the way that doodle breeders actually breed their dogs, it's actually much different. Cue the doodle rant. No, it depends. (laughs) There are some like better doodle breeders out there, but uh, there's still the chances are not 100% of getting a dander free dog. All right. There you have it. Most dogs are not. When it comes to doodles, there are other breeds out there that are can be dander less. Right. But no dog is truly hypoallergenic. It depends on the person. Right. Because it depends on their type of allergy. Yes. All right. Boom. All right. Last one. Oh, I like this one. Yes, yeah, a good one. Some dog breeds are more aggressive than others. And <laughs> not err. So there's like a lot to unpack there. So it really does depend. There's a lot of primitive breeds out there. I'm going to use a breed um, that's fairly new to the AKC. It's called an Aswalk. So an Aswalk is a sighthound. It's about 
8,000 years old, like ancient, ancient sight hound that is just newly being recognized in America mm-hmm. and uh, in Canada, same year, uh, I think 2020 or 2019, I forget now. Um, that breed is a sight hound that was used for not only hunting, but they're also a guardian breed. So what I mean by that is a breed like that, since they're so new and like newly domesticated, that they actually have those primitive instincts to like guard and to 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 be a little more aloof and to be a little more um not aggressive but like it's just in their blood right like just because they're so new same with another breed a dogo argentino same thing that was a breed that was bred to hunt wild boar um newly registered um in america um the breeders have done a great job like breeding temperament and domesticating lines as as time has gone on but same thing that is a hardcore breed that was bred to do damage and you never know what you get with temperament but if you go to a breeder um, who breeds for more so a family type dog then you're better off but still I do think it also comes to you know nurture as well as nature do you think that some of the dogs that are um bred maybe to have more prey drive or tend to be seen as more aggressive just because they've literally been trained to have that prey drive yes and no again it really depends it on the lines too right like it really does depend like you look at race bred whippets versus like show bred whippets right right so like show bred whippets are like very uh calm cool collected they're like couch potatoes whereas you look like a, a race bred whippet same breed just bred a little differently and they are bred like they see something move and they're gone they're like after it Right. So it's not necessarily aggression towards humans, but it's like, yeah, it's aggression towards something. Um, but it, it just really, really depends. Just yeah. Find so a there's a lot of variables. Yes. And we cannot draw the conclusion that one breed, for example, uh, I know Pipples aren't a breed. What's the, the American Pipple Terrier? Yep. That's the AKC breed, right? Yeah. But we don't have it here. We, we do not. We have like Staffordshire Bull right. Terrier. Yeah. So it would be unfair and there's not enough evidence to say that a an american pitbull terrier is more aggressive than any other breed generally correct did you know in the breed standard for staffordshire bull terriers they are most fond of children oh how how did this breed get so discriminated against they love their families it is so sad anyway (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, that's last week's episode. All right. Well, there you have it. Five more dog myths that we've busted for you. And we will be right back after a short break. All right. Well, on October 31st, we had our first ever Halloween pooch party event. And we just wanted to take this time right now to recap that a little bit. It was the best. Spoiler alert. 
It was. It was our first ever in-person uh, event, and we partnered with um, Downtown Kitchener as well as uh, Lily Romeo, of leader of the pack. And uh, yeah, it was honestly the best time. So Justine, I want you to tell me what was your favorite part about our Halloween pooch party? Um, My favorite part was the sheer volume of dogs and dog owners obviously and the fact that there were zero issues so everybody was just so respectful and all the dog owners had like such good control of their dogs and the dogs were so well behaved and it was just it just gave us like so much inspiration for all the events we could do in the community because our community is so great and responsible and it was awesome yeah, kudos to all of those uh, responsible dog owners in the KW and beyond region. It was fantastic. Are, I'm going to. Okay. So impatient. Mackenzie, what was your favorite thing about the Halloween pooch party? Well, I also loved seeing all of the dogs because again being the first in-person event it was like overwhelmingly exciting i i we both had smiles on our faces for like days after just days yeah it was it was great but it was also just so great to like have t- uh twb there to have local vendors um you know getting out and about in our community as well um just having people stop by talking to us you know us getting to know our community even better um having john muirhead there was awesome um it was just really a really great time yes the community really came together to make it an awesome event so thank you for that everybody and stay tuned who knows maybe there'll be more dog friendly kw events in the future I think there'll be lots in 2022, so get ready. And there you have it, our Halloween pooch party recap. So you've been listening to the Dog Friendly KW podcast, and today we've been talking about myths about dogs. So, Mackenzie, which dog myth do you wish more people know the truth about? Either something we talked about today or something we didn't talk about today. Um, I really enjoyed the breed, uh, the breed one. So, yes, your dog can be known to have uh, aggression back in the day, but maybe today they're sweet and you do a good job training them and then life is good. Also, the motherhood one kills me every single time. I've never even heard that before yeah, in my just, life. It kills me. Just go on more dog groups on Facebook. You'll find. I'm okay. okay. I'm good. <laughs> um, but yeah, those, uh, those two uh, just kill me every time. And uh, yeah, I just, I wish they didn't exist, but here we are. The myths are real and they are false. So Justine, which dog myth do you wish more people knew the truth about? So I wish more people knew that, and this kind of goes with the tools one we talked about, but I wish more people knew that positive reinforcement training exclusively, so like positive only, is not effective for every dog. So I totally get that for some dogs, positive only works wonders for them. Um, and you don't need to use tools to have an effective relationship with your dog. But for others, um, they're pretty fundamental to your training regimen. And 
I wish it kind of came with less stigma and that more dog owners understand that those tools are really important and the most dog owners that use them put a lot of thought and intention and training into implementing those tools and they really do have their their dog's best interest at heart when using them nailed it i know i don't use tools at all so that's it's not personal. That's sarcasm, everybody. Always sarcastic. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you learned a new perspective on some of the most common myths we hear about dogs. So thanks for listening to the Dog Friendly KW podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Till then. Bye. <laughs>